Please note, this episode references mental health issues. See show notes for helpful links. Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. This is a delightful way to start a Friday morning for sure. And although I know my guest has had a challenging morning. I'm very much appreciative that you've went to great so lengths to, to make this happen. Uh, I will say that I am delighted <laughs> to have Gerard McKenzie Govan on the podcast from The Blank Faces. Anytime, anytime Thanks so much, Gerard. So I was having a wee think about how we could kickstart this conversation because you okay. have been on my radar for a long time and any time that The Blank Faces is mentioned, it's always surrounded by positivity and great things great things are said so you've I've, I've definitely wanted to have this conversation for a while um so I guess like my first question would be if you were to get in a lift with somebody or you know your elevator pitch what would you say to somebody who has been under a rock and doesn't know what or who the blank faces are okay cool yeah yeah so I mean the blank faces is it's, it's very simple um well the, well, the first Non-profit fashion label in the UK to um, aim to end in homelessness. Um, I mean, that's that's the big big picture for us. Is you know that there would be. I'd love the blank faces to not be here because if there was no homeless people, there would be no um, there'd be no stories to tell. So what we do is each and every design we do is created or inspired by someone that's homeless, and uh, it tells their story and it kind of shows their side of humanity. So and for me. There's been enough charities and social enterprises out there that throw all these millions of pounds at homelessness, but day on day on day, we just keep seeing homelessness grow. So for me, I want to try and tackle it in a different way, and I want to try and change people's perceptions and mindsets on homelessness. I mean, it still bamboozles me that we live in a country where people don't have a home, like that they have to sit on the ground and they have to sleep outside and like it's always I think for me like when there's adverse weather like the other night there when it started to snow it's literally the first thing that I think about it's like imagine being out in that you know I complain that I'm cold when I go a walk in the morning I can't even fathom what it means to not be able to have a safe warm space to go to yeah and I think like homelessness like when, when, when I first started that that was my take on it the homelessness it's people slip, sleeping in the streets it's all this it's so much more than that as well it's like you know you get people couch surfing you get people in like shelters people in like um you know sheltered accommodation all this kind of stuff and you're just like these are these are numbers that that's you know through the roof and, and actually we're doing a project with, with gala shields just now and one of the students has come up with this slogan it's it's not zero percent because the government come out and say, oh, only 0.89 of the UK is homeless. People go, oh, it's not even 1%, but that's nothing. Then see if you look at it number-wise, you're talking thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, and you're like, it's not, and, and his whole design is, is based around this, but it's not 0%. And when I heard that, I was like, that's that's fantastic. Like, it's just, it's it should be 0%. Let's not lie. And in this day and age, when we've got plenty of places lying empty, we've got, you know, buildings lying empty all over Glasgow especially we should be doing a lot more yeah. um, 
and it's not being tackled the way it should be. I think people people have a perception of homeless people. People have a a mindset, and and like when you start pulling out statistics, it turns people off completely. Like it just it just switches you off. Like you talk about numbers, you talk about statistics. People are like, all right, okay, and they don't see the human being sitting there. They just see another statistic or another tagline or a, you know another junkie or another this or another that, and you're just like, no, it's a human being. Like it's you know, it's, it's Davey or it's John or it's Buddy or it's any of the guys that we work with. These are guys that have been through hell in their life and nobody chooses to be homeless. Nobody nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, I want to be homeless today. I want to be sitting in the street asking for money. It's it's not something you want to do, but you've got to a point in your life where that's your only choice. And for me, it's, it's starting this, it's really, really opened my eyes. Um, and, and, and it's just, yes, yeah, like I've obviously I've got two little boys and Homelessness is getting younger and younger in the streets, you can see it. And the thought of my two boys, anything like that ever happening to them, you know, if, if they go off the rails, because everybody goes off the rails at some point. I went off the rails when I was young, but I had my family behind me to kind of pull me back in a little bit. And I think, well, if they go off the rails and something like that happens to them, how are people going to judge them? Like, how are they going to get judged on a day-to-day basis just by... And that it, it, it terrifies me because they're the most probably loved children in the world. Well, so I think, and um, I just think like that could happen to them. It could happen to anyone. And let's let's start changing people's mindsets and mentality about homelessness, and, and take away the taglines, take away the the preconceptions, and actually see them as a person. Um, and that's where that's where we come in and try to do that. So was that what inspired the name, the blank faces, that people don't see the people? That's it. Like everyone, everyone has the blinkers on. Like, and I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I never done it. Um, you know, you get to a point, and you just, you just think, if I'm not, if I don't look, then it's not there. Do you know what I mean? And, and like, I, through my life, I, I kind of was brought up with my. I don't know if you read the article that was on on Glasgow Live last night about me, but I kind of grew up in a uh, in a hotel down in Air where my mum uh, took over a wee hotel just just as I was born and. Um, she decided to, to just work with homeless people and, and kind of take homeless people in. So we had young people, we had old people, we had families, and it was just, um, it was just my mum was just a wee caring soul, and it was it was about um, you know just looking after people. And like we lived in the hotel, we weren't you know we, we weren't well to do. We'd, you know it was people like oh you had a hotel, and like yeah, but we we stayed in one of the rooms in the hotel. It wasn't like you know we stayed somewhere else. Like my mum was there night and day. She would cook breakfast. She would cook dinners if people needed it. She would you know. Should be there for people, and and I think like I grew up in that hotel, so it was it wasn't there was never a them and an us. It was just like this big kind of crazy family of people, um, and from there I I, I kind of I, I was there till I was eleven or twelve at least, um, and from there I kind of moved to Glasgow, and I think I, you, you do put the blinkers on, especially in Glasgow because it's a different it's a different animal homelessness up here. It's it's a there's more people, and I think. You know, you if if you speak to every single homeless people from the top of Socky Hall Street to the bottom of Buchanan Street, you'd probably be there for about an hour and a half. You know, it's and it's it's that bad. It's that that's that's the thing. Like, so you, everybody does put the blinkers on at some point and just think, right? If I, if I don't if I don't really look, then it's not there. And until I had my little boy, my whole perceptions and things changed, and I just thought, God, man, this could be anyone. Um, and I started thinking about, right, how can I help people? We started running classes and. Um, uh, down at the Lodge and House Mission, which is down at the Barrys, and like one of the first things that ever happened was I was talking to one of the uh, one of the one of the boys there, and he was saying to me, he's like, if I win the lottery tomorrow, 
I'll be homeless man wins the lottery. It won't be John from Castlemilk wins the lottery. It'll be homeless man wins the lottery. When I'll always have that lit tagline. And from that day, I was like, right, okay, cool. So, like, as the blank faces, we try not to have this big CEO. I know that I've been doing articles recently, but we try not to have this big CEO at the top going, oh, look what I'm doing for homelessness. Because at the end of the day, it's not me that's doing it. Like, these guys are coming in and telling us their story. And it's, it's their story that's going on to things. So I'm not doing anything. I'm just there to facilitate them. And they're amazing people. And I don't want to do any poverty porn because there's enough charities out there that sit down and, you know, have a homeless person crying down a camera talking about how hard life is. And you're just like, you've just tagged them as a homeless person and they'll always be known as that because it'll go out to millions of people. And I, from from day one, I was like, All right, I, as a brand, we'll just be a blank face. We'll, we'll just all work together and we'll try to help each other. So, and, and the whole thing with the blank faces, you know, we've got a couple of guys who... Um, Gary, who's got a couple of designs for us, and his whole thing was, you know, he'll be sitting beside a bin begging, and he was like, and you're you're mistaken for a black bin bag, you know what I mean? And he's like, and you're just this, you're just this faceless thing sitting in the ground, and you're like, God, it's horrendous. It's it's we should be talking to people, and like when I talk to customers, and I talk to people, at, you know, they're like, oh, so what should I do? Should I give them money? And I'm just like, talk to them, like spend ten seconds of your day just saying hello to them, and 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 look at them in the eye because. You know, you're acknowledging them as a human being. You're not, you know, I'm not asking you to go around and give everyone a pound. I'm just saying acknowledge someone like you would in the street when you're walking through the park and you say morning to someone. You know, it's it's, it's a human being that's sitting there. So let's let's start treating each other as human beings. And I sound like a pure hippie when I say that, but I just think that if we if we change our mindset on things, then it might we might be able to see a bit of a difference. Yes, to everything you just said there. Yeah, I was just thinking about that that idea of, you know, the, the kind of facelessness yep. of homelessness because um, I remember one day we were in Glasgow City Centre. So I don't live in Glasgow. I live in a small town in North Lanarkshire. But this particular day we were in Glasgow and there was a woman, probably the same age as me, you know, she was sitting and it was a roasting hot day and we'd stopped and we're like, how are you? Do you want some water? And she was like, oh, that would be great. So my sister had went in to get her some water and we were chatting away, me and my mum, to her and then this person came along and offered her money and kind of held it like like yeah. over her head almost and held it there and then basically made her promise that she wasn't going to buy drugs with it or alcohol and we were just like like our mouths were like open and you know she proceeded to say I don't I don't take drugs and I don't I've never drank in my entire life so no I won't so then they gave it a promise, promise. It was awful. Do you know what? If, if she wants to use it for drink or alcohol or drugs, she can do what she wants with the money. It's, it's hard money at the end of the day. Exactly. Who are you to tell somebody else? if You're either giving them the money or you're not. And we were just, because my mum was like, who does he think? Yeah. She was like, I get it all the time. And we were just like totally flabbergasted. And I think that really opened my eyes as well. How other people treat, because I know how I treat people and I'm not I am not a saint and I'm not perfect and I think with this podcast I'm always yeah. learning and that's that's a total gift like to have you on and you explain the work that you're doing that that I learn something because the, your experience you're working yeah. with people all the time who are experiencing this but it just opens my eyes and I think that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this podcast because I think people just need to be reminded of how to be a human you get that quite a lot and I, like one of the I was probably I wasn't guilty of not giving people money. Like I would always go in and say to them, "Do you want a sandwich? Do you want some tea?" And you know I would go in and buy them something. But I was um, with one of my um, one of my board members who uh, has her own social enterprise through in Edinburgh uh, with, with homelessness, and 
um, she she told me this amazing thing. She was like, she was on the, she was walking through the street and and somebody asked for money and she's like, I'll go and buy you a sandwich. And she was with a guy from LA and the, the guy from LA is like, why don't you just give them money? And she was, like, well, I don't know what they would spend it on. And, and he was like, well, when you give them that sandwich, is it still your sandwich? And she was like, no, it's theirs. And she was, he was like, right, well, if they go and sell that sandwich for a pound and then take the pound, do you, do you care what they spend the money on? She's like, um. I don't know. And he's like, yeah, well, there you go. He's like, it's theirs. Once you give them it, it's theirs. They can do what they want with it. And I was like, yeah, that, that absolutely resonates. And I tell, you know, we have so many customers in that, that will say things like, you know, oh, I wouldn't give them money. And I'm like, but, and I've tried to explain it in that way. And they're like, oh yeah, right. I get that. Yeah. And for me, especially in the shops, like, I mean, we've, you know, we've been online for a while online. It does okay for us. Um, but like it's when you get customers in the shop and you talk to them and you explain things to them and, and they buy into the brand that way. And that's why I love having the shops because it's um it's that one-on-one, you know, conversation with someone that's just like, you know, you, you get to change their mind, especially we get a lot of people talking about like the refugees and stuff that beg and they're like, you know, I don't know who's really homeless and who's not. And I'm like, are they sitting in the street? And they're like, yeah. And I went, is it cold? And they're like, yeah. And I went, then at the end of the day, that's, you know, that's that's all you need to see. People that, that are like, oh, it's gangs and stuff. And you're like, yeah, but the people that's on the street aren't in the gangs. They're getting trafficked pretty much to, to beg. You know, I'm like, so they, they need money. Like, it's, it's you know, at the end of the day, if, if they don't come back with money, they'll probably, something will probably horrendously happen to them. I'm like, so don't think about it as if, oh, they're not Scottish, you won't give them money. It's like, just if you want to give them money and they're there, give them the money. Don't, don't think about who they are. It's, you know, it's a kind of casual racism and you're just like, um, we should really be stepping away from that kind of thing and yeah. going right. Who needs it? We've just kind of partnered up with uh, Simon Community over the past couple of weeks, who have started this initiative through Glasgow for a kind of begging fund. We've got the the, the pay points in our shop where people can come in and just tap and donate. So you can donate from anything from a pound up to hundred. And the the thought process was behind it that they don't want people in the streets begging that there'll be a fund there for people that are homeless to access at any point they want to get money. Um, which is great because, like, you, you talk to any homeless person, they don't want to be sitting begging in the street. You know what I mean? They, they, they don't want to be doing it. It's, it's, it's Scotland. It's bloody cold outside. Um, so I think it's 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 great that they're, they're, they've come up with this initiative. And, you know, for us, it's, it's just about kind of trying to promote that and talk about it as well because if, if it's for people that they can just access it when they need to, especially people out there, you know, they haven't got food, you know, all this kind of stuff. They, they, and they're starving. They can access a fund to just go and buy themselves something to eat or go and, you know, get a hotel for the night or go and get, a, you know, a shelter for the night. If, that, if the money's there and the access is there, then it's phenomenal for, for you know, I would, I, would, I would kind of help anyone in any way like that. I'm thinking, like, especially after the last two years of the pandemic and how some people hopefully will have realised how close you are to losing everything that all of a sudden, you know, a couple of paychecks down, that homelessness is just within touching distance for all of us to a certain degree. It's not everybody that has friends and family that they can call on, like you were saying, that if they were in that position, that they would have a a, a couch to sleep on or a bed to go to. Do you know what I mean? And I think you just hope that people are starting to come out of the last two years a wee bit more in touch with what's important and I know you know initially at the pandemic it was all like everybody standing at the yeah. doors clapping and everybody was giving their neighbours food parcels and whatnot but I just hope that that hasn't been lost and that 
you know, we're not just going back into real life going, all right, great yeah. real life, like blinkers on, doing my thing, not really worrying about anybody else. You just have a bit more humility. But, you know, I was just thinking about the people in your life that have obviously inspired the yeah. brand. Like, your your mum sounds amazing. Like, she sounds like such an amazing human being. And then your own children inspiring yeah. blank faces as well that you want this this brand to be, you know, a legacy. Absolutely. And I, I guess. But why why apparel? Why why clothing? Yeah, so my, my background was, was kind of fashion and, and retail and textiles and and. So I worked in, in fashion retail for years and years and years, and um, I when I was having when when I was having my my, my little boy, my first um, Otis, I decided I wanted to get out of retail. I was like, you know, I was working to late at night. I was working weekends. I wouldn't get to spend any time with them. So I kind of thought, right, what can I do? And I, I was I did a lot of management within retail. So I got a job with a, a telecommunications brand. Who it was a it was a an office job. It was Monday to Friday, nine to five. It was a manager for their business accounts. It was so so destroyingly boring. It, you know, the money was great, the, the, the hours were great, and it was just I was like, this is so destroying. So I asked them if I could do like one day a month uh, doing charity work because I know that they offered that, and they said, yeah, of course. So I started my time down at down at one of the, the mission down at the Barras, and. Um, on the back of that, I just started talking to people and then I cut my days down to four days a week and I just started doing it one day a week, just getting in and talking to them with one of my friends, actually, um, Jamie, and we went in we just started speaking to people and getting to know them. And then from the back of that, like, we started, they started coming up with some great little ideas and great little stories. And I was like, right, OK. And I thought, like, oh, you know, my kind of creative side, I was like, right, OK, well, what can I do here? And I was like, well, I know clothing, I know fashion. I was like, so I could take that and we could turn that into something. And on the back of that, it was like we just—I just started working with them, brought in some pens, some paper. We just started jotting some stuff down, and kind of come up with a couple of ideas. And and that was that was that was it. Yeah, I, I applied for a, a small grant from a, um, a company called Firstport, who can kind of help support social enterprises. And they gave us a small grant. And with that, with that grant, I, I, I kind of was like, right, what route do I want to go down? So an amazing lawyer who was like, right, well, if you go down a charity route. You're going to be kind of your wings are going to be clipped by the, the kind of overseeing people at charities because like a lot of the stuff that I was coming up with was was quite um, quite risky. And then she was like, "But there's another option. You know, you could go down as a social enterprise, as a non-profit, um, and you know, it's the same kind of thing. But you won't obviously be able to get you know money, grants, all this kind of stuff. It'll be more along the lines of it's a business, but it's not for profit, uh, or I call it profit for good now because." We, we are for profit with a business, you know what I mean? I've still got staff to pay, I've still got buildings to pay for. So I uh, we did the, the People Make Mistakes um, posters and, and, and put them all over Glasgow. And then I didn't have much money left. Um, so I did 100 T-shirts with the People Make Mistakes on them. An amazing guy came up with that idea called um, Murdy. We did 100 T-shirts of it, and that's all the money I had left. So... Um, I thought, well, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Like it's, it's, you know, it's. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do something a bit different. And the t-shirts, the t-shirts sold. The t-shirts did really well for us. So with the money from that, I put back into the business. And I come up, we come up with our two ideas. We come up with Davy's idea, and I think it was maybe Buddy's idea at the time. Um, and Davy's idea, he was talking about how, you know, he's like, we're, we're just seeing, we're sitting in the street, we've got our hands out with this bleeding heart, and I was just like. Right, okay. And I was like, right, we'll do a bleeding heart then. So we come up with this whole autonomous um, 
heart instead of like a love heart because it, it was just about being you know reality and, and been a bit um been a bit real with everything so and we did it with, with the kind of blood coming out of it and we kind of sketched it up together we, we did all that and from there we started i started doing little classes so i started like asking everyone else like come in tell me your stories and like we'll, we'll come up with designs so um it was just that's how it started and it just kind of started growing arms and legs a little bit from there and like Buddy, who who came in, Buddy's Buddy's such a great guy. Like Buddy was homeless when I first met him. Um, he moved over here from Asia. He had a wife and kids. His wife threw him out. He became homeless. He had a wee restaurant and all that here, um, and he lost it all. He became homeless, but he's got so much pride, um, and he's he's he would, he'd draw something and you kind of just look at it and be like, all right, cool, and then he'd tell you the meaning behind it from his from from his side, and it was it was like. We do one called Money Over People, and it's his design, and it's just, it looks like a face, but it's got a pound sign in it, and it was like, it's how people see money over human beings, it's just, you know, it's about your stature in life, and I was like, that's amazing, that's amazing, and he was just, yeah, and he drew an art couple of things, and he told me the story behind him, and I was just like, just, just mind-blowing that he could just come up with these wee things, Um, so we, 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 we kind of did his, and, and then... Like this was me just starting off because I was like, right, okay, we'll give all the profits back to you know the homeless charities we're working with. And then after a little bit, I was still working full time um, for, for this other company. And it got to kind of 2019, was it April? 2019, yeah, because we went into lockdown 2020, I suppose, yeah. So um, yeah, kind of April 2019. And I remember um, sitting down with my partner at, a, uh, at dinner and I was like, just so you know, I'm leaving my job and I'm going to start doing this full time. She's like, you've, you've, we've got a kid. Like, you know, I'm at university, you, we've got a kid. And I was like, I believe in this. I was like, honestly, I believe in this. This is going to do well. So I left, she supported me. Um, started doing it full time and we started like we obviously did it on a website and then we started like doing little pop-ups at the weekend so back to being in retail I had a pride about myself and like my little boy obviously was just what well, he was born in July 2015 so he was a couple of years old at this point so it was um at the same time as, as my, my little boy was was um was born my mum passed away as well so I was just well I want to do something in her name and I want to kind of do um, I want to make him proud as well because she made me proud growing up and maybe I didn't see it when I was a kid you know I was like mum why can't we have a normal house like other people and you know you're just like as a kid you're like why are we staying with all these other people but she she she, she put something in me that was just like you know a sense of a sense of like well there is no them in us it's just you know we're, we're one as people and we should really be helping each other and um, when she passed away like but then I had my little boy it was just like right well I want to make him proud, like I'm proud of my mum, and and, uh, and I also want to like you know and and like my dad, he lived in Africa when I was when I was born, but he moved back, and the two of them just like you know worked so hard at, at helping people, and I just thought, well, right, I'm going to make you proud, and I, when I told my dad what I was doing, he was just like over the moon. He's like, this is brilliant, um, and it just kind of yeah, kind of grew arms and legs, but we opened a little kind of pop up and. Um, which is now, well, it was, it was the Savoy, then it became Colab, I think they called it, they kind of tried to make it cool, the wee pop-up in there, and then it, we kind of left there, and started doing a bit of work with the big issue, and, and kind of we had an office in with the big issue, and it just was, it was great, uh, and then we started working with a lot of universities, so we were just selling online mostly, 
And then this shop came up um, over on Great Western Road. It came up, what, a year and a half ago, right in the middle of pandemic. And people were like, you're mental. Do not take on a shop right now. It's it's <laughs> middle of pandemic. And I was like, ah, that's fine. It's fine. Do it. And, and, you know, I had like, I had no staff at that point. It was just me. Um, and it was, you know, I was just, I was like, yeah, we're going to do it. Like, we'll, we're just going to open. We'll see how it goes. Like, I went, we'll take in a, in a you know, in a, in a year's lease, I was like, you know, we put in an offer, which was an absolute low-ball offer, um, and I just thought, we'll never get this. And they kind of came back and said, yeah, you can have it. Like, nobody else is dating. It's the middle of a pandemic, you're crazy. Uh, and I was like, yeah, we'll just take it. But I took it the day. I got the keys the day my little boy started primary one, because I remember going in and dropping him off at school and go and get the keys. And it took us about two, three weeks to get the place done up. So we ripped it all out. We done it up. Um, and we opened. And you know what? It's been great, like, because we've got a basement here where I am at the moment, and we're able to kind of run one-on-one classes with people. Um, we're able to do things that we would never be able to do before, and especially with the pandemic, because all the classes that we were running, um, we started working with the Marie Trust, we started working with uh, City Mission, the Lodge and House Mission, and it was, like, they all shut during pandemic, so they all just closed, and we were like, right, what are we going to do? Because, like, this is the, the, the base of everything we do is telling a story, so We've got no no people's stories. We can't we can't we've got no designs. So I, I suppose in a way it was good because I could then have one on one sessions with some of the guys that we already worked with, and they come in and they tell us their story. And one of the boys, Gary, who's got two designs with his poster boy and anonymous, him and I have became really really close. Um, and like for him, he's went from now. I mean now he is four months off of off a of heroin. He's uh, he's just He's a different person now than when I first met him. When I first met him, I first met him in Ashton Lane. He was sitting in, in Ashton Lane freezing. Um, and I spoke to him. And then I met him in a mission um, a couple of weeks later. And we were doing a project with, with Caledonian University. And uh, he sat down and he spoke to 20 students about his life and, and how he's got to where he is. And, you know, it, and there was no fear there. There was nothing about... Um, he wouldn't tell anybody's story. He told everyone everything about him, and I thought, God, that's that's brave because I, I still still parts of my life that I wouldn't talk about. And and from there, I kind of I, I remember like try to keep in contact with him, but he would kind of disappear for a wee while, and then I'd be in Ashton Lane again, and I'd see him. And I remember going into the Ashoka one night and just saying to them, Look, there's there's my details, my card details. If, if he's outside, just get him whatever he wants to eat. Like just. Just get him it. And they were like, um, is that okay? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I was like, get him whatever he wants. I was like, because the guy's sitting out there and he doesn't deserve to be there. Um, nobody deserves to be there. So Gary and I kind of kept in touch a little bit. Um, he added me on Facebook. He's got an amazing story. I mean, it's harrowing. Um, and Gary and I became quite close. Like we do a coffee morning in here on a Monday now where we just invite people that are and need a chat like if it's if you're homeless if you're not homeless it doesn't matter come in have a chat with us i'm just thinking like the passion just oozes out you it's evident yeah. how much you love it and like you t- explaining the story and the the i guess the risks the, the risks that you've personally taken do you know what i mean the, the things that you've said yes to even when other people yeah. are a bit like eh but it, it's just the passion oozes out you and that obviously it's almost like all these things coming back full circle like the fact that you've come back to homelessness yep, yep. because of your upbringing with your mum and, yep. and her passion for helping people and coming back to clothing and, and retail, yeah, yeah, yeah. you were like, 
you know, that wasn't yeah. that wasn't necessarily what you thought you would. Uh-huh, totally. But again, it's because of the people, it's because of the stories that that's obviously the fuel that's driving it. So the fact that you're making these spaces like the coffee morning and stuff to, to still have that interaction, because I guess for you personally, when you start to run a business, there must be so much involved in making this all tick over and turn over. And like you're saying, you, you have responsibilities as a, you know, you've got your kids and stuff and you've got a, you've got a home that you've got to your bills to pay all the rest of it so I guess I, in order to keep that passion alive like it's, it's still got to be grassroots level you've still got to be working with Absolutely. people that you're trying yeah. to help and I think like there's there's, there's charities out there or, or enterprises out there that, that kind of do work with homelessness but I don't know if, if the, 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 the kind of people at the top would physically go and just sit and talk to homeless people you know I think that they they might even think they're too good for that. And for me, I'm just like, no, I want I want every one of my staff to come to the classes. I want I don't want to employ anyone that's like, oh, I don't want to actually come and talk to homeless people. I'm like, no, no, no. When you come on board with us, you come to our classes, you do everything, like you'll come to the coffee morning, you know, if you if you're not interested in it, then there's a door. Like for me, it's about there is no them and us, like I've said from from the start, like it's it's just like you know, we, we are a we are a clothing brand first and foremost. You know, we're a we're a fashion brand where you know we're, we're, we we sell clothes like you know they're they're sustainable, they're ethical, they're but they've all got a story on them. And I think for us as well, it's about turning something that can be horrendous. Like I, like a lot a lot of, a lot of the the guys, pretty much most of them, um, it all stems from when they were children and things happened to them as children. Like like with Gary, like like I said, we, we became very close. And last week, he didn't know we had a shop in Buchanan Galleries, and we were walking up, and I said, "Come on out to Buchanan Galleries." And he's like, oh, "I don't know if I can go in there." And I'm like, "Why?" And he's like, "Because oh, because I'm homeless." And I was like, "Mate, you're with me." So you know, we went in, and we were walking up, and I was like, "What do you think of that shop, Gary?" And he looked round, and he's like, "Astounded." He was like, "You know." And we walked in, and the first design as you walk in the shops, his design, and he was just like, "This is my story. This is my story." And I was like. And it's that it's that passion, it's it's that that, that keeps me going on a day to day basis. It's that that when you see his face and the fact that he's like, this is mine, and there was a customer and he was saying to, her, this is my story, and like that that gets to me every single day. Like, and and he told me a story about when he was young, and I've got my little boy's six and a half, and nearly seven, and and like he told me a story that when he was when he was eight year old, um. It was like, hi, I would, I would go down. He lived in the high rises in Glasgow, and he was like, I would go downstairs to my um, eight year old, go downstairs to the neighbour's door. And he was like, and I would chap the door, and uh, the letterbox would open up, and I'd put in a £20 note, and he'd give me back a bag of heroin. And he went, no, I went back up and give it to my mum and my dad. And I'm just like looking at him, and he's just, you know, just kind of like, uh, so that was, you know, that's how, how, how my life started. And I'm going, that's not, that's not normality, mate. And he's like, but it's it's normal to me. He's like, that's what I did, you know. That's you know, and I thought my little boy's nearly that age, and I, you can imagine your kid going. I wonder what it is because you know I'm down every day picking this up. I wonder what I'm getting and, and trying it, and I'm just like, it's it's mad how that's normal to someone. Whereas to me, I'm like, you know, blown away with that. Yeah, and then these children are expected to go to school and just operate uh-huh. like every other kid when they've got all this stuff yeah. in their shoulders. Like, I work in schools a lot and, um, you know, I always say I, I couldn't be a teacher because they have to be privy yeah. to more information about these children and what goes on. Like, that is mind-blowing to think that at such a young age your yeah. your life's been mapped out 
for you. Do you know what I mean? Just because of the, the, the decisions that have been made by the adults around you because when they were we, they also had, a te- you know, like, yeah. it just goes back and back and back. Uh-huh. The fact that, you know, you're you're telling Gary's story there and, like, he's obviously so open about his story, but because I work in the arts, I know the power of creativity and the fact that whether it's a dance or whether it's a yeah. painting or whether it's a piece of clothing, like, if you've made something, you've made it out of the, yeah. the inspiration, the things that are in your head and the, the things that are in Gary's head are terrible things that people could never imagine, but it's it's been turned into something so positive. Yeah, when we do our classes now, a, a lot of people, you know, they're like a lot of people, are like, oh, did 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 somebody that's homeless draw this? And I'm like, well, not everyone. Like, for me, I want to tell people's stories, so it could be that the, the way I kind of run the classes now is that I kind of I kind of get to know them first, and I'm like, right, let let's kind of write down a timeline, and we kind of write down where they were born right up to now, and just different points of their life that that, that they remember or that they think that's changed their life, and from that we can come up with designs together because, you know, I've got a boy that's a graphic designer who works with us and he's unbelievable. And then he, he and I will sit down with him and be like, right, and he just gets me. Like, you know, we, we, we could spend an hour together and I'm just like, we could do something along that and then he'll just put it up and he'll be like, what do you think? And I'm like, that's exactly what I was thinking. Daniel, who who does work with us, we do a T-shirt with NFA on it and it's got a picture of the Belgrove Hotel. And that his whole thing is that, you know, in, in the top of your application form when you're homeless, it's, you've just got this NFA, so that's what you are, you're no fixed abode, you know, you're not Daniel, you're no fixed abode, it's just you're, you're homeless, that's it, just a not homeless person, and he was like, and it's at the top of every single application you go for, and uh, I'm a big fan of NWA, um, massive fan to be fair, and I was like, well, we could do something, we could do like the, the same font, but with NFA, and, and can I tell this story, because again, it's just making homeless people faceless. You know, it's just been another blank face. It's just, you're an NFA. That's what you are. It's crazy how um, how people are just judged. And I think that's what we want to do. We want to take that judgment away from them and be like, and the, the reason that we don't do any of the whole, like we don't show Gary or Davey or any of these people and it's their story we tell. Because uh, we get a lot of people saying, you know, we get, we, we get TV stations and stuff saying, can we come and, you know, interview one of the homeless people? And I'm like, well, no, because... They'll be on TV and it'll be a homeless person. I was like, and they'll always be known as that. I was like, whereas the story's there. And I want people to walk down the street with their design on, if it's poster boy, anonymous, money over people, any of them, and see somebody sitting in the street and think, that could be the person who designed my T-shirt. I'm going to I'm going to talk to them for a second and just hopefully break down the barriers and, and just, you know, spend a minute, spend five minutes, spend 10 minutes, whatever, just speaking to someone and being like, oh, you're a human being and I'm a human being, you know, how did you get to this point in your life because, and how can I help you? Even if it's just, I want a cup of tea or, you know, I need money or, you know, just someone to talk to. It's just about being being human beings at the end of the day. And um, yeah, the Blank Faces has got to a point now where I'm kind of splitting up the company a wee bit because Kidswear is going to be a separate company, still under the Blank Faces branding still a non-profit or a profit for good, but I'm just going to be working specifically with kids in poverty. Because for me, hearing the boys' stories, hearing the people we work with stories, um, it's a lot of it's, most of it stems from when you're a child. And I feel that if we can try and tackle it at the root where poverty is a child, you're not, that's not what you're based as for the rest of your life. Like, how can we change that going forward? How can we educate younger people to get out of this kind of life cycle? Because um, we do we do some work with Peak Project, who are amazing. And um, 
you know, they, they, you talk to them and, and, and kind of they tell you stuff and it just it just changes your perceptions again. It changes my perceptions. And I thought I was very open-minded to a lot of stuff, but they then tell you some things and you're just like, it's it's crazy how you, your mind just opens up the more the more kind of people you speak to. And with kids where it's going to be ideas from kids, designs from kids that are going to, that are going to inspire the designs we do. And, you know, it'll be more, the colours will be really, vibrant and it'll be fun and the stories will probably be there and they'll be hard to tell but it's about it's about showing these kids and I'm guessing as a kid like I know my little boy like he models for us a lot um it's not a model but he models for us because he's cheap um you know when he sees himself on on Instagram or something like that you know what I mean he's, he's like that's me and I think see if that was a kid and that was their story and they saw their story the pride that Gary has and if you think about it as a kid having that pride you're going to have a bit more belief in yourself. And I feel like if we can get kids to believe in themselves and stop telling, asking kids at six and seven year old, who do you want to be when you grow up? And I think if we, if we can start rephrasing things like that and saying, what makes you happy? Like, you know, if it's playing football, then right, well, let's look at that. If it's something else, like, you know, at that age, like you're six year old, you're 10 year old. Like I was 30 odds before I decided I wanted to do something like this. So we really need to, I think that we need to stop putting the the, the pressure on children like that as well. And, and I think that if you look at the, the, the children in poverty and the children in, in, in poverty surrounded areas and, and, and places, they're, they're kind of, they're thrown in a scrap heap where it's just like, oh, well, if we get one good one, it's 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 great. Whereas you're like, we should, be, we should be trying to get every single child to believe in themselves because there's nothing better than childhood. I was working with kids the other day there and this wee boy was like, we were, what were, I can't remember what we were talking about. And he ended up basically saying, I'm nine and I love being nine and I want to be nine forever. And I was yeah. like, yes to that. Like, yeah. be nine as long as you can. Yeah. Because you are brilliant at nine because all of the ideas and the energy, mm-hmm. like you're awesome at nine, like absolutely be nine, like yeah. go all in, be totally present in nine. And it, was, it just made me think about that, like just being out, because it, it, I think we were saying to the group, it's really hard for us to like think back that long ago. Like it was so long ago that I was nine, I can't remember being nine. So you need brilliant. to tell me what it's like to be you. Yeah, it's just, like, I love that idea of what you're, you're doing. I think it's amazing, like, uh, going forward, if there is anything I can do to support what you're doing, especially with young people, like, give me a shout, because I think it's awesome. Like, with, with adults, where it's, it's a bit different, because, like, whoever's design it is, we give them a percentage of every product sold. So, if it's Gary, I keep going back to Gary, just, like, he's just, the, the, the guy's amazing in my eyes. Um, if it's Gary or Adrian or whatever, it's... it's They'll come in and they'll get their percentage. We give them twenty percent of everything sold. So, and it's not twenty percent profit; it's just twenty percent. So, if it's a t-shirt, it's six pound. If it's a hoodie, it's um, fourteen pounds. So, for me as well, like the way the I wanted to run it with this because it entices people to come back to classes to tell more about their story, to have more designs, to then actually start to build up on, on all these designs. Like Gary, he's got two out just now. We're working on like another three or four at the moment with him. And I was like, well, you'll get, you know, a percentage of every single thing that's sold. So if you get 10 designs, you'll get, you know, and, and I was like, and as well as that, like I, I spoke to David Duke, who's a good friend of mine, um, who runs Street Soccer, who um, if you can get him on your podcast, get him on your podcast. The guy is 
the most inspirational person I've ever met in my life. So David was homeless in Glasgow. He was uh, he was an addict. He was, you know, he, he tells the story of how he wouldn't walk through the streets of Glasgow. He would take the back streets because he was so ashamed of himself. And he now runs street soccer, which is um, helping. It, it, it does uh, teaches football to homeless people, and um, it gets them off the street and it gets them doing something. And, and his whole thing was that he started going to one class a week, and it gave him a bit of stability. Then he started going to two classes a week and three classes a week, and then, and then he set up street soccer. He's 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 got an MBE, you know. He's got two degrees from Caledonian University. He's he's just the most inspirational guy you'll ever meet. And I, I became really good pals with him because I just I believe in what he does. I believe that you know there's no oh I want to become rich off this and I want to be like oh look who I am. Like yeah. you know he'll go to his classes, he'll speak to the guys, he'll, he'll do everything. Um, and now he's in, I think he's in London, Manchester. He's sponsored by Nike. They're sponsored by Man United. He's just, he's, he is the mo- one of the most inspirational people you will ever meet in your life. And he he done it from nothing. And it was just about having that stability one day a week, two days a week, three days a week. And that's what I want to do with the blank faces. I want people to start going, right, well, I'll come to your class one day a week when, we, when we're able to run the classes again. And then we'll be like, well, we'll do it at a different shelter this day and they can come to that. And just start building up a community where people... People want to come to, but the thing is, obviously, they got a percentage of every product sold. With kids, we are we're not allowed to give the kids the money, so it's we're just kind of sitting down and trying to figure out where, where the money goes. Does it go back to the schools? Does it go back to you know the, the parents, or does it you know it's just it's just just now we're kind of just trying to work that out. But what's best with the money that we can do that'll that'll further the kids because it is their design. I don't want to just be giving it to you know another charity or this or that i want to be giving it to to something even if it's like a trust fund or something that when they get to a certain age they can access it it's just there's a there's a whole open world right there just now that's um that we're trying to kind of we're trying to kind of figure out to to how we're going to launch this because i want to make it i'm going to it's going to be a it's going to be a for-profit company so it's not going to be a social enterprise because uh, one of the things with social enterprise is you can't really get much investment unless it's grants and stuff so for me, I want to make a, a for-profit company with shares, and I want people to to buy into the company and get shares in the company. And if they get rich out of the company, they get rich. But they're investing in kids' lives. They're investing in building this brand to make a big brand where we can help more and more kids in the UK, more and more kids around the world, if it grows to that point. Because for me, if we can tackle it, like I said, if we can tackle it there at, at, a, at a young age, then hopefully we can see a massive change going forward. It's phenomenal, and it's truly like people centered, like everything you see, and you know, and the thought processes that go behind it. It isn't just like, oh, isn't this a nice idea? And isn't this like shining a light on poverty and, and homelessness? It's like, no, no, yeah. no, we're giving the money back to the people that designed it because well, that's the thing. Can't live in fresh air. Like it's, it would be nice to have that moment of, oh, I designed that t-shirt, but if I don't see any the profit from yeah. that then i'm in yeah. no better position uh-huh. for us it's that that's what it's about you know it's about giving these people something back like it's their story it's, it's it's their work that's went into it like they've sat down and they've told us something and if they didn't tell us something there would be no design so why are we not giving back to that person um a lot of people say oh 20 that's not much and i'm like well it's 20 percent more than what any of the big brands give anyone and I've still got overheads and stuff to pay. I've still got staff to pay. You know, I've, like I said, I'm not a charity. I can't put my hand out and get money off people. It's about it's about making money. And if we don't bring money in, then you know we're, we're not making any money. So it's about 
making money, growing the business as well. Because for me, I don't want it to stop in Glasgow. You know, I, I want to, I want to open up. Probably not anywhere else in Scotland at the moment, but you know, I want to open up Manchester. It's a very, it's a working class city, the same as Glasgow. You know, I want to open up Leeds. I want to look at places down south because homelessness in Manchester for me, and I, we, I'm down in Manchester quite a lot, is it's next level to Glasgow. Like it's not. Glasgow seems like nothing to when you go down to Manchester, and it's it's very strange because in Glasgow we've got a I think as, as Glasgow regions we've got a a bit of a sense of kind of pride and I don't I don't see many homeless people talking to people and just being completely ignored. Whereas when you're in Manchester, I feel like and I, and I know that the, the council down in Manchester are doing amazing work with homelessness, but you'll be sitting in a bar and and it's, you know a homeless person will come up and ask for change or whatever and. and They'll just literally sit and look across at the other person and just completely ignore them. And I'm like, that's mad. Like, just turn around and say to them, I've got no change. Like, and I've thought a few times, I'm not saying it's, it always happens, but I've thought a good few times in Manchester. And I think, like, why are you not acknowledging that person? Just just turn around and say to them. And I've said it a few times to people and they're kind of like, sorry. And I'm like, just like, that person's talking to you. And, you know, and it's just, you know, you, you just, I just think, be, be polite. You know, it doesn't cost doesn't cost anything to have two seconds and say, "Sorry, I've got no change." It's you know, it's yeah, it's it's human decency. You're not you're not doing anything by not acknowledge by acknowledging them. Just take two seconds out of your day. But it seems sometimes that's too hard for people. Yeah, and it's not going to go away just if you ignore it. That could be you, or maybe maybe it will never be you. Yeah, it could be someone that you know. It could be someone that you went to school with. It could be somebody knows somebody that's fallen in hard times. If it could be. Um, I don't know if you become ill and you can't go to work and all that, and then it spirals. It's I I, I follow a woman on um, on Twitter, and her husband was a really you know really good job was the CEO of his company, did really well, and had a had a mental breakdown and um, and and lost everything. And I kind of think it, it kind of I don't know what happened, but he's homeless now. He's been homeless for years and years and years, and Every day, this woman puts up a post tagging, you know, Scottish government Nicola Sturgeon and saying, "This is another day that he's sitting homeless. She's just getting ignored." And you're just like, for me, she's an inspiration because I'm like, every day you're trying and you're pushing and you're pushing to to make a change, and you're just being ignored. And she put something up the other day, and I tweet, you know, I tweeted back and was like, "This is actually heartbreaking that every single day you tweet and nothing happens." And you know, she's like. It'll be day XXX, and you know he's still in. You know he's sleeping in, in, in a, you know, in a, under a bridge today, and he didn't know who we were and all this. And you just think like that's just that's your mind. And I went through over um, kind of over November, December, January. I went through a lot. I don't. I, I've never struggled with my mental health in my life, but it just kind of all came crashing down on me, and I, and I had a really tough time. But I had people around me that were that were there and just helped me through it, and. I felt talking about it really helped me, but I felt like although I had everyone around me, I felt absolutely alone. Like every day, I just felt so alone. You know, I would wake up crying, I'd go to sleep crying. I just, I just, I was having panic. I hated it. I hated myself. Um, I thought I was a failure to everyone. And I thought mental health and homelessness is a massive thing. And then this year, I really want to try and talk about that and tackle it because if you're homeless, you've got nobody anyway. So. To then be homeless and have those thoughts that you don't have anyone, you literally are, are empty, you're alone. And I just think, like, 
how 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 can you get how can you get through that? It's just it's really really hard. I mean, I found it unbelievably hard, um, and I've kind of come out the other end a little bit. It's crazy, and for me, I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a situation where I phoned a counsellor, and you know, she turned around and said to me, "Yeah, this is how much I am," and I said, "Right, that's fine. I'll pay it weekly, no problem at all," because I needed to speak to someone. I I, I just needed that. Whereas we've got Adrian, who you know, who works with, uh, who does a couple of designs with us, and he's been waiting six or seven months for a counsellor. I'm like six or seven months. I mean, I waited a week, and it felt like six or seven months. And I'm like, so he came in and he came in on Monday to the coffee morning. And he, he sat me, we kind of went through the back, and we're sitting down talking, and he, you know, he said I was waiting six or seven months. He was like, I feel suicidal. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I can't take this anymore. So I phoned up a counsellor and said can you take him this week? And she was like, yeah, it'll cost X amount. And I says, I'll just pay for it because I don't know how bad he feels, but I know how I felt. And if I couldn't be able to talk to someone, I know what I would have done. And I was like, so you've got a counsellor this Wednesday. So she came in and spoke to him. They used the shop and they came downstairs and had a chat. And now they're going to start doing it every Wednesday. And I was like, I don't care if we have to pay for it every single week for you, if you've got somebody to talk to, because I don't want my worst enemy to ever feel like that. Like uh, that was the most horrendous couple of months of my life. But if I can, if I can help him just have a chat, then perfect. Uh, it's, 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 it's mad how, again, it's this system that because you're homeless, you don't really matter. Like you can wait six, seven, eight months for a, for a therapist where as if you were to pay for it, you can get one phoned up on a Monday, got on a Wednesday. Again, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that you think like, can we, is there nothing we can do to make things easier for people? Like, because as I said, mental health and homelessness is a huge, huge, huge thing. And we, as men especially, we don't talk about it enough. Like we, we you know, we just I joined a men's mental health thing um, in, in kind of October, November, um, and you know, one of the first I got put in the group chat, and you know, one of the first things I was like, look, this is who I am. This is what I'm going through. Because uh, I was trying to be very open, because I felt if I was going to be open about it, then maybe it was going to ease up. Maybe people would would understand. The first thing I got back from one of the guys was, "Oh, chin up, mate," and I'm just like, "Brilliant!" You know, it's like a guy's mental mental side is just, you know, chin up, and you're like, "Right, okay, cool." If I could chin up, I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah, exactly. Can I just say in this moment, like, thank you for being so open and honest. Like, I appreciate that you're feeling comfortable enough to be that open, and I think that. that is a huge deal in itself like everything else you've said you know and everything about blank yeah, yeah. is like is another level but just like you being yourself here Gerard you know and like we're talking about you're like it's a faceless company and but at the end of the day you you are a human who is making all this happen you are the facilitator like you said earlier on and and you are a real person who has real feelings and the fact that you've acknowledged that and you're sharing it with others in the hope that that helps others that's huge. You know, I had um, a men's talking group on the podcast during the pandemic and like that, they, that, that's why they started it. It was just because they were saying like, it is taboo to talk about your feelings if, if you're a man. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there is still yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, just pull yourself together. Oh, there's nothing up. Yeah, you're fine. And this idea that, you know, if you have a certain life or a certain lifestyle, that, what have you got to worry about? You're like, no, 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 yeah. no, escape. We yeah. all have mental health. We all have mental health. Yeah, I tried to explain it to my little boy because my little boy's, I was like, do you know how you fell and broke your foot that time? And he's like, yeah, I was like, well, that's kind of what my head's like right now. And he was like, 
so what, how can we fix it? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, it's a lot harder to fix than, but it's, it's about explaining things to him in, in a way that I'm like, don't ever, if, if you know, if you feel sad, don't ever be, you know, don't ever think you can't talk about it because we really need to stop the stigma about men's mental or mental health in, in general. And I just think that the pandemic's obviously not helped people, but I don't, I, I don't know what the driving force behind it was, but it scared me to the point where I was like, oh my God, because I was maybe, before I was probably, you know, anything that happened, you know, you suck it up, you got on with it, you can move on, you know, you're, you're strong that way. But this was just, for me, it was, it was like every day it was like a, like a wave of emotion just took over me. And it was like you were drowning every single day. And uh, I put up a post on Instagram a couple of weeks ago. I was getting a tattoo that reminds me of it because I was like, I always want to remember that I had that time and I got through it. Um, and I had a, someone come back to me and they're like, are you homeless? And I was like, well, no. And they're like, well, what have you got to worry about? You know, get a grip. And I'm just like, I was like, yeah, I was like, and, and that's what you say. You know, it's, it's people like, you know, oh, what have you got to, to be, you know, stressed about or whatever? And you're like, that doesn't make you fine. Like that guy that I talked about, whose whose wife Linda puts up tweets every day, he was fine supposedly, you know. And and now it, 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 it's got to a point where he's been homeless for years and years, and there's no help for him. And you just think, well, you know, I'm a homeless just now. No, would have been homeless if I didn't have the people behind me and, and my family behind me. It could have quite easily happened because I'd nobody to turn to. But this, if I had my family there, you know, I had my my. my my close, close family who were there. I had my little boy who was my absolute rock, who, you know, would, would just come and cuddle me. And and that would that would kind of make my day a wee bit better. And I just think that, yeah, it just needs to be, for the, this year for me, it's about more of a kind of social aspect towards the blank faces, talking about hard things like mental health, because, you know, you don't, you don't go out one morning and go, I want to be homeless today. It's not something you do. You don't turn around and go, I'm going to try heroin today. You know, it's not something you do. It's There's something there that's got to you, that's got you to a really dark place and you just want to alleviate the, the darkness around you and you just want to be like, is this going to make me feel better? And you're hanging about with people that are all going, yeah, it is. And you're like, right, well, I'll try it because I can't feel like this anymore. For, for me this year, it's about bringing that to the forefront and, and, and getting people to think differently about it and get, stop people thinking, oh, they're a drug user and this and that. It's like, well, why are they that? You know, why have they done drugs? You know, why are they, you know, why why is the person homeless? It's not about they are homeless. It's about let, let's let's take steps back and see what got them to that point and, and maybe challenge people and say, well, if that was you, would you have been in this situation? Would you be homeless? You know, would you have been able to be strong enough? And people will probably say, oh, I'd have been strong enough, but It'll get them thinking a little bit differently, hopefully. So, yeah, I think for me as well, the, 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 one of the things that, that got me through, and some, it was a men's mental health group called Brothers in Arms, and they they were been amazing. Like, um, and, you know, you get exercises to do during the day for your mental health, and, and you get a counsellor, and it's just, it's that that app on itself has is, is saved me uh, points because, you know, I'll be sitting panicking, I'll go, what will I do? And I go onto the app, and it's like, how you feeling? You put in how you're feeling, and it tells you what to do. And it's just been, and it's it's a Glasgow, it's a guy from Glasgow that's done it, and it's um it's just it's saved me at points when I thought I can't do it today, I can't go on, and there that has been amazing. So and it's all free and everything, and I just think that if if they can do it, if this guy can do it off his own back, why why have we not got a structure in place through a government system that we can be like, there's help because he's not get 
isn't any money near what the government's got, but you know we, we end up spending it on daft things. So he, yeah, they've 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 been an absolute such a help to me. Yeah, brilliant. I'll put any links that you've mentioned or any ones that you want to go in the show notes as well so that people can find them and I'll, I'll put a note at the beginning of the episode. Um, it sounds like you have another amazing year ahead in terms of like what you want to yeah. achieve and what you're going to be tackling next. We do have a lot of kind of other projects. Well, we've got a few projects coming up really soon. Yeah, we're, we're doing one about adverse childhood effects, which is, if you've never looked up, it's called ACES Awareness. You might know about it working in schools. I've done some ACES Awareness training, yeah. Yeah, so so we are we are doing a full collection on ACES Awareness, um, and we're bringing it to the forefront. So we're, we're working with an amazing lawyer in, in Glasgow who, that she champions ACES Awareness, and also um, someone that's in the um, violence reduction unit who he's been through the kind of, the gang life was a kid and, and, and you know, and, and, and being stabbed and all this kind of stuff and he's come out the other end. But we're really planning and doing something over kind of one of the one of the kind of months, kind of June, July maybe, on having a full month about ACEs Awareness because there's a few movies out there that talk about it and, and get people knowing about it because I think that when I found out about it, I was absolutely mind-blown by it. So we've got some students who have done a, a collection about it, which is it's amazing and um but I really want to bring it to the forefront and get people talking about it as well because, like, it's it's. I don't think it's really championed in Glasgow as much, but like, air where I come from, um, randomly they they champion it down there. The, the police champion it down there, and I think, well, why are we not? Why are we not doing it in the bigger cities, and why are we not talking about it? Because if it makes you think differently, and and it's the whole thing about me going back to kids where it's about, you know, if this happens in your childhood, this is how you will turn out. You know, that this is. This is how you're you you're kinda of mapped out in life and it's like, well let's let's try and change that. And I think by talking about ACEs and getting people aware about it, they might start thinking a bit differently. Yeah. And I was thinking about the fact that, you know, clothing does spark conversation. You see somebody with like a cool t shirt or a hoodie yeah. and you're like, Yeah, oh, that's cool. Where's that from? Right away, you're educating somebody about the issues that are going on in your town, in your city, in your village. That's what it was about. It was about taking a story and turning it into something that looks great and it looks fashionable and it's on trend and, and getting that getting that person out wearing it and then people go, oh, where'd you get a jumper? Or Because or, I know that if I'm out, and I'm, I'm obviously I've done fashion for years, but if I see somebody with something nice on, I'll go, I'll, I will go up and say to them, where did you get that? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a massive trainer head. Like, I, I love my trainers. And even if it's a girl wearing a pair of trainers, I can squeeze into a pair of girls' trainers. So I'm, I'm always like, where did you get your trainers? And it's just like, there's there's a there's a talking point there, um, and you know you, you go out and you will see girls saying to each other, oh, "I love your dress," or "I love this," or and you're just like, well, if we can get people talking about it like that, and our designs are, I've got a story behind them, then hopefully that story comes out within that conversation, and it just sparks a bit more, a bit more chat. Yeah, I mean the designs are phenomenal. Like obviously I follow you on Instagram and have done for a while. Like it must be really difficult to prioritize sometimes to decide what takes precedence over another thing because there's so many things that you want to be doing and that creativity is flowing and you've got so many people in the mix yeah i think for me as well like i i, I want i needed to be part of everything and then obviously when up kind of october november happened um i kind of decided to kind of take a step away a wee bit because I, I was just i was literally dragging everybody down i, I just i was just an absolute emotional mess and i, I just kind of got to the point where i was like right I, I need to take a step away and 
I stepped away from the, the retail side of things because I was like, do you know what? I've got managers who run the stores. I've got staff. Why do I need to be standing in a shop? And I've got, you know, I can't do things like this. I can never have done a podcast. I can never have done half the stuff I do. And I thought, right, well, I'm employing these people, but then I'm just going to stand about the shop. And I was like, nah, I'm going to, going to stand, step away. So I've stepped away from the whole retail side of things. And, you know, we've got a big project going on with Gala Shields University at the moment. We've got, you know, we're, we're partnerships with the Marie Trust, with, you know, the signing community. These would never have happened if I was, you know, still stuck in retail. So, um, so for me, I was like, take a step away from that and build your business because that's why, that's why you did this. You didn't do it to be a wee brand in Glasgow. You did it so that you could start and change people's lives as, as many as you could. So, I love doing what I do. Um, and you get that, that saying, this daft saying that people go, oh, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. If you love what you do, you work 10 times harder in your life than you ever do. Your days yes. turn into going from a nine to five to a what half seven to an eight at night. It's just, but I'm never switched off. And I get it all the time at home. You know, you, you, don't, you don't switch off, you don't switch off. And I'm like, no, I don't switch off because I'll have customers message me at half nine at night saying, do you have this in your size? And I was like, I'll go and check. And I'm like, it, for me, it's about, I've worked in retail long enough. I know that customer service is absolutely present and everything. And it's about making that person feel part of the brand. And, and if we can have people that buy from us and they do feel like they're part of our wee family, then that's that's what I want. Yeah, because you're building a community for people who probably don't feel like they're part of a community. And that is massive. Uh, you know, and if you can, if your customers have that sense of pride that they are, affiliated with the brand because of the brand's ethics and what you're trying to achieve then they will go out and promote and support and that's that's brilliant that's what you want do you know what I mean so you know I'm part of the community now I'm going to be shouting for the high heavens like I've met you I know I can see the passion I know we're talking over the internet but I can tell how much you love what you do um, and how important it is so yeah I think it's truly wonderful and as I say anything that I can do to support just give me a shout brilliant thank you so much now, I'm aware of time because, like we're saying, you're a very busy, busy person who's kindly given up the time to do this. Oh, no problem at all. I've absolutely loved it. You know that way, like, things like this make me make me believe. Like, when you told me it was your passion project, I was like, absolutely. Because for me, Blank Faces was my passion project. It was just about doing something in, in, in honour of my mum and, and, and making my little boy... My, my little boy's proud, but as well as that, like, my, my, my oldest Otis, like I said, he's six and a, six and a half, and he just... He questions everything now. Why is that man sitting there? And it's like, go and ask him. And it's like, you know, and it's just about changing his little mindset. And, you know, he gets his, his pocket money and he's like, I'm going to go and give this to someone. And I was like, no, 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 that's it's your money. Like, I was like, I give money to people, it's fine. Like, you don't need to. And he's like, no, I want to, I want to. And I think, well, fair play to you, little man. You know what I mean? You're you're, you're, you're better than what I was at your age. At six-year-old, I wanted to buy sweets. You know what I mean? From the corner shop. So I'm like, he's, uh, he's, just, a, he's just a caring wee guy. And I think, well, if I can, if I can have that, then... You know that's that's enough for me. Well, you've clearly instilled that in him. Do you know what I mean? That's he, he's came from you, and he's like, and, that, and you came from your mum. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it all in that sense, you have that that um, that privilege that you've been taught what is important and what is good, and so is Otis. You know what I mean, and it's just spreading that message and carrying that on. And I think you have a duty of care as as an adult to shield your yeah. people from the bad things in the world sometimes but also it's okay having that conversation and saying well actually not everybody does have a home and not everybody does just get to eat what they like for their dinner and you know I mean I think it's important to just let young people know that yeah there's a big world out exactly. there and we're not yeah. all treated the same yeah. But, yeah. and that's not okay <laughs> 
and, and and we can all make a difference in a small way. It's a bit it's a bit yeah. like the climate change thing. Do you know what I mean? Like we can all do our bit. Like it's all right just saying, oh well, that's a huge problem. It's not for me to solve. We're not going to get anywhere if everybody says that. And it's the same with homelessness. You know, it's just what can you do? What can you do right now? What can you do today? I mean, you look at Scandinavian countries, and they've they've nailed it. Like they've just kind of turned around and went, no, we're not going to have homelessness. Let, let's let's put things in place that will stop it. And they have. Whereas here, it seems like we we all talk about it, but there's there's not. You know, you've got you've got people like Simon Community who do amazing work. You've got. You know, we work with a, with a really small charity called The Invisibles, who are a bunch of guys that genuinely care and just, you know, they, they go around, they, they talk to uh, rough sleepers, they see what they can do for them. They We, we work with them. So our shop in the West End's a, a pickup point for sleeping bags, toiletries, all that kind of stuff for homeless people that need it. And, and, and that's the thing. Like when I first met the boys from The Invisibles, we had a bit of a, yeah, uh, 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 knocking our heads on Twitter where they, they, they kind of saw what we were doing, didn't really get it and kind of went, oh, you know, this is another brand trying to, you know, thing with homelessness. And I was like, well, actually, come in, talk to me, come in at my shop. Um, and they came in and we went down with a walk and I, I told them exactly what it was. And I said, no, it's, it's I'm not I'm not doing anything. Like there is no, you know, big guy at the top. There is no homeless people. It's just, it's just a, it's the clothing, it's the stories. And they were like, this is amazing. And they said to me, look, if we do toiletries and sleeping bags and all that, would you be okay? And I was like, yeah. And they said, you know, they can access them first thing in the morning before you open or last thing when you shut. And I was like, no, they can just come into the shop. And they were like, oh, but what if you've got customers in? And I went, if I have customers in my shop and a homeless person comes in and they're not happy with it, the customer can leave. You know, I always, when we opened the West End, I always thought, you know, it's, it, it'll be good because we've got students and all that. But the amount of people that come in that actually care, and, you know, they'll be like, oh, what can I do? You know, can I do this? Can I do that? And you think, God, like, I, I never imagined the people from the West End to, and again, that's me um, with my preconception, but it's, it was like, you know, they come in and, and they'll have chats and, and they'll be open to coming to the coffee mornings. And we're, we're building this little community on a Monday now where people just come in and um, we've, got a wee, we've got a wee woman who used to start walk by all the time and her partner died during the start of COVID and she was lonely and, and, and we started talking and I said to her about coffee mornings and, and she came along the coffee morning there on Monday and she said, this is great and I was like yeah and it was just about it's just about building a wee community where we can we can sit and talk to each other and um, you know and, and no matter who you are if you know if you're late for a meeting or you're, you're early for a meeting come and grab a coffee if you're homeless you can come and grab a coffee if you're lonely come and grab a coffee it's just about having people that come together and talk because I don't think we talk enough as well just now. I think we, we, we're we too busy on our phones, we're too busy at being in our, in our heads that we, we don't just take that wee step back today and, and, and just kind of sit down and have a chat with folk that we don't know. I don't need 20 people coming into my coffee morning. So if I have one person that needs a bit of warmth and a coffee and a chat, I'm winning. I don't care. Like you with the podcast, if you have one person that listens to it, you're winning. If you have nobody that listens to it, it's about being there for people that need it. Here, here. We just need to talk more. We just need to get together. And I know it's been, obviously, the last two years has been so difficult for that. So difficult. And us who have had the opportunity to be online, like, we're so privileged. Do you know what I mean? Because if you didn't have yeah. tech or internet yeah. in your life, I can't imagine how isolating it was. But now that we are able to, more so, yeah. we need to, we just need to be talking. Just talk. Speak to somebody. Just make eye contact with somebody in the street and say, hiya. Like, you just never know. That can make somebody's day. If you think all, all these price hikes that's going up with electricity and stuff just now, 
like people that are in poverty won't be able to have the internet because you know you need your electricity you need all that and you're just like it's the knock-on effects people like oh electricity for heating stuff and you're like yeah but being able to talk to someone being able to do any of this especially like my dad he's he um he's got copd he's 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 old now and um and you know so he he shields so he can't go out so and if he didn't have internet to talk to people you know what what happens and you're just like how many people is this actually going to affect instead of just being is the heating and all that kind of stuff there's so much more there that we you know yeah, it's it's a it's a wee broken country we we live in at the moment. I think. Well, you're doing some fine fine work to put it back together again. So these hangamajigs are random questions. I've got like a list of seventy, and I just collect, I just um, select a few for each guest. Here's a random one. What is your go-to movie if you need cheering up? Just go with it with uh, Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. I am a huge rom-com fan. Absolute massive. Big rom-com fan, love them. Yes. Over the past year, four months, I've probably watched it six times. I just, I love it. It's just such a feel-good movie. Love it. Um, favorite childhood meal? Steak pie, still is. Always been steak pie. My mum made an amazing steak pie, and I am a connoisseur of steak pie. I literally, if I go somewhere and I have steak pie, I have it. Um, we were doing Gala Shields the other night, and. Mm. I there is a wee pub in in, in uh, Gala Shields that does the best steak pie I've ever tasted in my life, and I told my little boy this, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, Dad," and I was like, "No, honestly." And we went there for dinner on Monday night, and we went there on Tuesday afternoon for steak pie again. So I was just like, <laughs> yes. "Love steak pie, honestly." Best day ever at the Blank Faces. Uh, my best day ever at the Blank Faces was uh, we did a. Uh, we did a live brief with Caledonian University. Uh, I think it was our second year students. And what it was, was I mean, it was they came to us and they were like, we love what you do. Would you do a live project with us? So I said, yep. So long story short, uh, I was doing my classes down at Lodge and House Mission and there was 20 students. So I took the students in to the Lodge and House Mission and um, each and every one of them was kind of a bit apprehensive about it. You know, they turned up makeup on, you know, Balenciaga trainers on, just like, I was like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be this is gonna be interesting. So I took the, the 20 students in, me and the lecturer took them in. There was 19 girls and one boy. And I, I don't know if you've ever been to Lodge and House Mission, but it's it's very um how can you say it? It's it's, it's quite daunting when you go in. And uh, I took them in and I said, right, okay, well we're gonna I, I want you to go and I want you to speak to someone and, and, and just kind of get to know the person and, and and you know they were all sitting around one table, you know, phones out, and I was like, phones away. Um, I said, right, well, well, we'll see you later. So me and the lecturer got up to leave and they're like, where are you going? And I was like, we'll be back in a couple of hours. And I had an office next door and we went in, we were sitting in the office and we came back and every single student, every single student was sitting individually talking to someone. And that is the proudest moment of my life of with the blank faces is the fact that each and every one of them decided that, you know, it's just a human being. I'm just going to go and talk to them. And Every one of them, whatever fears they had, whatever, got over it and went and just sat and spoke to someone. And then the feedback was like, you know, they're just they're just like us. And I'm like, yeah, it's not, it's not, you know, like I said, it's never a them and us. It's just, we're just human beings. Like people have fallen in hard times. Like, and uh, that was the proudest moment for me at the Blank Faces was the fact that we took students to somewhere that they didn't feel comfortable. And by the end of it, each and every one of them just broke down the barriers between them and someone else. 
Yeah, you're making me think that that is just really what we all need to think more of. Like, yeah. I think we sometimes get in our own way and we have our preconceived ideas or we, you know, sometimes it might not be that somebody has a preconceived idea about somebody else, but they have a preconceived yeah. idea of how they're going to be. Yeah. So it stops them from taking action. Like, I won't know what to say. I might say the wrong thing. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. We just all need to kind of get over ourselves a wee bit. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Because you're stopping yeah. yourself from making these connections yeah. and, and getting to know the yeah, world absolutely. more and getting to know the people in it. You know, when I doubt myself sometimes at work, I think that's what happened. And Because being in the business, you don't really see what you're doing. And, and you sometimes question yourself. You think, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? And the other day, one of my board, uh, Zakia, she she done us up at the car with it last year, what we did within the last year. Um, and she sent it over to me and I read it and I was like, wow, that's, we've done loads. So yeah, it's nice when it's nice when somebody sends you something like that, and you actually can sit back and go, "Wow, we're actually doing something a bit different. We're making a bit of a difference. Probably not as much as we want to do, but like I said, we're 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 growing. So yeah, yeah, it must be hard to have the, those reflection moments because you're so reactive to what's happening. Yeah. You're just like, go go go, what's next? What's happening? Even having this conversation, I know you do this a lot, but hopefully it'll be cathartic for you in yeah, terms yeah, of yeah, like yeah. to realise just what you have achieved. And the last question that I do, so I'll switch all these up, but I do ask everyone, because it's called The Broad and the Brave, is what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Um, favourite Scottish word or phrase? I'm a big fan of ball bag, I must say. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's a fun thing to say, and then you can say it in an absolutely aggressive way as well, so... I am a, I'm a big I'm a big fan of calling people a ball bag from now and again. Yeah. Well, Gerard, you are definitely a bra bag for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you again. I wish you all the best. I'll put all the links in the show notes and I'll be shouting from the high heavens about what you're doing. I think it's awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much. It was lovely seeing you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Bra and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.